This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila. First up today, what role do teachers play in protecting children and preventing abuse? So this comes from um, a remark by the Education Minister, Fadli Nasideh. So she spoke earlier today at the Child Protection Advocacy Programme, Love for Children at SK Sri Tase, um, and it was about school safety. And she said that school safety doesn't just involve infrastructure, but in fact also includes protecting students' mental and physical well-being. And she said that it is, uh, is and always has been a teacher's responsibility to look Look out for their students' well-being and to address cases of uh, abuse, uh, physical, sexual, emotional abuse, including child neglect. So this is coming as there's been a rise, right, in physical, sexual and emotional abuse cases. We know this. It's been reported. It's always a very, very upsetting thing to see, a very upsetting headline to see. And I think that's why this is not so much any sort of new initiative. It's nothing new. Uh, The minister herself says that. It is instead a reminder for teachers to continue playing the role that they always have been because we speak about this often, right, the delicate interplay between what parents do and what teachers do in in terms of bringing children up well, uh, educating children, but also in ensuring safety, in ensuring that schools are safe places, in ensuring that homes are safe places. Um, the minister went on to say that teachers monitor students' behaviour in school and therefore need to take action if they suspect that anyone is a victim of abuse. And on top of that, um, the education ministry is also planning to increase the number of counselling teachers in schools and provide counselling through psychosocial programmes. They're also looking into more advocacy programmes to be implemented and expanded And um, alongside this call or reminder to action for teachers, I actually found this mention of additional programs very interesting and very encouraging. Yeah, because I think what this signals or indicates is that, um, like you said, it isn't new that it it would, to a large extent, fall on educators to keep an eye out on their students, to see whether there are um, signs of something else being wrong, perhaps. But I think that the minister talking about it and then adding on the fact that they do want to put out these sorts of programs indicates that there is thought about resourcing teachers to be able to do this, right? Because it's all well and good to say this is part of your responsibility, but it is a huge responsibility to take on. And I think it is important to make sure that there are, for instance, um, programs that are available, more um, manpower where it's needed. So, I mean, I think this is a really good move by the education minister. I'm very interested also to know how the that kind of... Teachers taking action, um, what that's actually going to look like, because I think here and in many other parts of the world, we're not alone, but um, there is still the culture of not wanting to be seen as a busybody, not wanting to be Mm. seen as interfering, especially when it comes to someone else's child, especially when it comes to someone else's household. And so to have a teacher either speak to a parent and say, hey, I've just noticed that your child's behaviour has changed in a big way and I'm I'm worried about them. Um, or for that matter, to take action and escalate it to somewhere other than the parent. I think all of that is somewhat complex. Uh, so let us know 
in light of this this call to arms by the Education Ministry for teachers to take action should they suspect that a child is um, a victim of abuse, we'd like to know whether you have ever turned to a teacher for help, um, especially in your home life, I guess. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899, and tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we're going to be joined by Datin Norazima, who is the chairman of Page Malaysia, that's the Parent Action Group for Education. So do keep it here on the evening edition, BFM 89.9. Boring, fake, macho. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is just about 5.14 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila. We are talking today about the Education Minister, Fadlina Siddiq, saying that school safety involves uh, teachers, that teachers have a responsibility to look out for students to address cases of abuse. She also added that there are uh, there is going to be an increase in the number of counselling teachers in schools, that there's going to be more advocacy programmes when it comes to child safety, all of which has us uh, talking and exploring, I think, the role of the teacher in ensuring that children are safe. We are asking you whether you have um, ever turned to a teacher for help or did you have a teacher that you trusted so much that you would have if you needed to. That number to call is is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now, we have Datin Norazima, Chairman of the Parent Action Group for Education Malaysia, or Page. Uh, Datin Norazima, thanks for taking the time and speaking with us today. Uh, thanks for having me again at BFM. So nice to be here. So currently, um, how equipped are teachers to spot and address incidents of physical, sexual, emotional abuse amongst their students? What sort of, tr- um, you know, what what are they given? Uh, I think we've come a long way, uh, you know, because before counselors would just be would would, ju- would be part time counselors and teachers as well, but since then, uh, counselors are now full time. Uh, you know, they're not having to teach. So it's it's great that uh, the focus is now on the student. And of course, these counsellors are supposedly trained uh, to attend to uh, matters like these. But what exactly uh, counsellors go through to be trained, uh, it's, it's uh, not something that's made public to the two parents. And separate from the counsellors who serve a very specific role, what about the day-to-day teachers who are obviously the ones who come the most in contact with their students? Um, are they generally trained to spot and address these sorts of incidents? Well, well I suppose they are, uh, you know, but uh, I don't think you need any special skill to be able to see that a child is troubled. You know, I think it's actually common sense, and I it, it and and I think teachers. It's good that teachers have been reminded because it's not a new problem. You know, it's it's been perpetual, and I suppose teachers are getting more adept to identifying these cases, which is uh, to the benefit of everyone. Uh, but uh, it's it's unfortunate, unfortunate that um, you know the circumstances have not gotten any better uh maybe it's a post-covid uh consequence 
but also maybe parents are more stressed than ever putting food on the table. But I think at the same time, I think parents are not that inconsiderate. I think some of them also see if their students are doing well or not in school. And when the child is not doing well in school, they'll find an excuse to, you know, abuse or create misadventure with the child. You know, so I think that if teachers also were to focus on teaching, uh, ensuring that students pay attention in class, do well, participate, engage with the student, then I think if the student is doing well, there's no reason why the parent should not be proud of this child, no matter the stresses at home. So on that point, uh, we do have a message from CK who says, it's easier said than done. Uh, Most teachers aren't trained to be a counsellor or psychologist. They might not be able to handle each issue properly. And I do feel besides that, that the community are putting more and more stress and responsibility on teachers. Like when anything bad happens, they just blame the school or they blame the teacher. Uh, How would you respond to that? Definitely, uh, we cannot totally rely on the teacher. And I think it is, again, a community effort. You know, for for instance, parents can always rely on neighbours. They can rely on parents of their friends to always be on the lookout or, um, you know, go to them for assistance and not be afraid and don't be uh, disgusted if, you know, for instance, you know. And the reason why neighbours, friends and family go is because it's for the benefit of the child. You know, so I think parents at the same time should not be too emotional, uh, you know, if if uh, people say that, make remarks about you're not raising your child well, you know. So uh, it's not easy being a parent and uh, probably even worse for single parents. But... Um, you know, always, always engage with uh, other parents, especially parents who are close to your to your friends. It's always important to know the parents of your uh, children's friends. You know, as 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 a cushion, rather than to go straight to the teacher. Teachers are both down. That's for sure. Now. It is a sensitive balance to strike, right, when it comes to teachers addressing what might be happening in the home life of students. As a parent yourself, what advice do you have on how to approach this? It's, it's tricky because, again, it's uh, who to trust, who not to trust, who can your child go to? You know, who, who usually there should be one, one, one person in school that the child uh, can rely on. Or children, maybe teenagers, usually go to their friends for help, you know. And uh, friends try to help, but sometimes they protect their each other too much. When they protect their, their friends too too much, then you know you it, the, the the you don't you don't find the solution in the end. You don't find an amicable solution because nobody wants to speak the truth because they're afraid to face the consequences. You touched on it there, this question of uh, where students go to for support, right? Considering they want to increase the amount of counsellors and counselling teachers, firstly, how common is it really for students to reach out to to an adult within the school setup for assistance? One thing. The other thing is how can that be encouraged in a greater way to make it more accessible? I I think it's up to the counsellor to be able to uh, come forward 
uh, do engage with students, uh, create that trust and bond with the student. It's very difficult, especially with teenagers. They all have their own minds, and the only people they trust are their friends. You know, and but the, but I think counselors again, I think are trained, and they should have techniques and ways to 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 gain confidence. And uh, I think that um, it's 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 a it's a start for for students to have someone to go to. But again, in the end, it's really how the counselor reacts to the student's uh, problem. If the prob- if the student finds that it's of help, then what will get around and, you know, and they'll say, oh, this counselor is good, this counselor is, is not, you know. So it all depends on how the student uh, uh, sees the problem uh, being addressed and, and a solution found to it. And then it, 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 it sort of... Uh, uh, you know, uh, it gets it gets spoken about among friends, you know. So, but once you're uh, you're seen as a bad counselor, then I think uh, you you've not done a good job, and uh, maybe there are other ways that can be considered, other approaches that can be made uh, to to resolve a problem. Whatever it is, nothing is impossible, and there's always a solution to it. So we are talking, of course, about um, government school, which means a huge variety of uh, students with different needs and different backgrounds and different um, cultures and approaches to things. What are some of the challenges in making sure that these counselling teachers are able to handle this sort of diversity? You know, at one time, uh, teachers could go outside the fence, the school fence, to go and look for students who didn't come to school. Some of them would be hanging out cyber cafes, in the park, you know, etc. But after a while, they restricted the movement of the teacher. The teacher couldn't go beyond the school fence. So it was up to the devices of parents or the PIBG to go around and look for these students. Because these students, they will come to school, the parents will drop or send the children to school. And you see the 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 child getting out of the vehicle, making a U-turn and going, going to the shops, you know? So, so before the, the, the teacher would go after the student, but that's not possible anymore. So uh, a PIBG that's more creative and more assertive, they will actually put their parents, you know, outside the gate and we will follow these students and bring them back to school. But I, it really depends on the, you know, the initiative of, of the leadership of the, of the PTA. From what you've observed, what are some successful programs uh, that have been applied in schools to provide emotional support for children, whether here or elsewhere, and how would you like to see them replicated? Well, I think uh, as far as we are concerned, the fact that the MISTI has come out to make a strong statement to remind teachers and counsellors to do what they're supposed to do, I think we have probably regressed. You know, if the if the ministry had done a good job in the past, she wouldn't have had to remind teachers. You know, but I think in the end, it's really going down to the root problem to actually, for counsellors to actually go down and meet parents. You know, it's not just dealing with the child. You have to go to the root problem, which is the family, you know, and see what exactly is wrong. How can we help? It may not be a, a, a solution that the, that the teacher or the school can, can provide. It could be a community solution or involving, I don't know, CSOs maybe to give help or funding, whatever that's, that's required. So I think it's, I don't think uh, it's, it's 
it's a, a difficult uh, thing to resolve. Uh, but it needs to be. Uh, we have to find the root of the problem and 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 sustain the solution. Would you like to leave us with a final message? Well, I suppose it's uh, again not easy to raise a child. It takes a village uh, to raise a child, and until the village uh, realizes that uh, everybody needs help, then uh, I think that. Uh, we 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 can resolve this together as a community. I think the teachers themselves have got so much to do, uh, but uh, nonetheless, they are a key uh, factor in resolving the problem. Thank you so much, Dati Norazima, for joining us today. Pleasure. Uh, that was Dati Norazima, Chairman of Page Malaysia. That's the Parent Action Group for Education Malaysia, weighing in on the Education Minister, Fadli Nasidik's call for teachers to take action, to be observant and to take action if they notice signs of abuse in children. Um, also commenting on the minister talking about an increase in counselling teachers, in advocacy programmes, and that's what we're asking you for. What are your thoughts on this? But also, um, you know, in, in essence, is this an important element in this question of how we can better address and prevent child abuse? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at PFM Radio. We have messages. So Willa says, good move by the Ministry of Education. All schools should be child-centred. In order for this to happen, the teachers must not be bogged down with administrative work so that their focus can be on the students. By the way, I'm not a teacher, but I am able to sympathise with them. Yeah, uh, Willa, I mean, clearly we are also not working in education, but agreed that I think the overwork and the focus on, or rather the inability to focus on all the things that you need teachers to focus on because they just have too many things to focus on is a perennial issue in talking about about teachers. In fact, it was something I was considering when we were talking about what kind of training they would require because, okay, it's fine to ask that question, it's correct, but then the next step is where are they going to find the time to do that training? No, absolutely, right? And, and I think it is fair, that question that we had earlier from CK about... Um, how much how much capacity do educators have and whether it's perhaps whether it's perhaps worth thinking about making space within the system to accommodate something like this. I love the way Willa calls it child-centered. I mean our schools should be child-centered. Uh, just briefly, Cheryl says even without any additional training and resources, all teachers can always notice the red flags of abuse, disoriented child, body marks. You come to school unprepared and hungry. Um, school and teachers are safe places for all children. So, I mean, I think that those are strong indicators, right? And and strong, visible indicators of when perhaps a conversation needs to be had. But to back to Willa's point, it's about that balance, right? So, yes, you can notice it, but... What if you're overworked? What if you're too busy? Yeah. So I, I would just amend your message a little bit, Cheryl, to say school and teachers should be safe places for children and we should all work towards creating that. Keep those thoughts coming. We're talking today about the role of teachers in pr protecting children and preventing abuse. Share your thoughts. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at BFM Radio. Blockbusters from me, BFM eighty nine point nine. 
the business station. It is 5.39 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila. And we started off our show today by talking about what role teachers play in protecting children and preventing abuse. In other words, in watching out for instances of abuse or signs of it and then taking action. And we've been asking you for your thoughts. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at at BFM Radio. Uh, joining us on the line, we do have a caller, actually. We've got Marcus. Marcus, good evening. What are your thoughts? Good evening. Um, I think, firstly, addressing abuse amongst children in Malaysia or any other country, it requires a multi-faceted uh, approach involving not just educators, uh, but also policymakers and social impact organisations. Of course, not, uh, not discarding the role of parents and uh, the social circle amongst children. Uh, you need, a, uh, I would say, to start off with, you need a comprehensive policy formulation. Like you cannot just be giving uh, blanket statements. I think the data has to be made transparent uh, for all the re- relevant uh, partners to, to understand what's the situation at hand. There has to be a situation analysis of what is going on. Uh, we need to also look at uh, sort of like a study in terms of which areas in Malaysia where this is uh, happening prevalently. And then we look at the next part of it, which is basically capacity building and training workshops. Now, um, there has to be some form of knowledge imparted and you know basically being disseminated to all these educators in terms of how they can identify what they can do, a step-by-step approach. And then somewhere, somehow, this also has to be integrated into the learning curriculum of children so that they understand that they are also being abused. I think that has to be seriously thought about. And integrating it into an existing education curriculum helps because it gives the children some sense of influence on themselves and empowerment to speak up. You know, And then enhancing child empowerment, I think this is basically what we talk about. And you know, we have to enhance the infrastructure around children as well, creating more safe spaces for them, uh, whether it's in school or public spaces, and getting more of uh, their time with the school rather than in a space where they are constantly threatened by. You know, so social circles are important. And last but not least, they have to collaborate with the social impact organizations or the NGOs because you cannot be, you know, just pouring funds into getting more and more teachers or more and more counsellors. But at the end of the day, you don't see the results. Whereas you already have NGOs who are already, you know, they are, they are dedicated towards working on solutions surrounding this issue. And I think it's important to work with these NGOs uh, to understand how they can tackle the, 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 the challenge in a much more constructive manner. And of course, not jeopardizing the child safety you know, uh, I understand ed- educators, they are face-fronting with children, but it's not only their role, because if you put the whole burden on them, it's going to be more taxing and it's going to be troublesome over the long run because it's not sustainable. So yeah, those are my thoughts. Uh, Marcus, before we let you go, I mean, I agree with so much of what you're saying. I think that those are great ideas. I'm just curious whether you, you walk around with these thoughts randomly or whether you work in the field, actually. No, I mean, I, I'm someone who's, who's, I mean, basically been looking at a lot of issues mm. uh, and understanding you've got to really go into the statistics and the numbers because it's not only about talking 
And it's not just about giving statements. How well do you actually understand that issue? If you say that there is an issue with abuse, now be daring enough to release the data around it so that people can work on the solution. You know, so I have that approach. I have that, that, that thinking that whenever, or whenever you approach any issue of the country, you need to understand the depth of the issue before you can look into the solutions. You cannot just have a one-size-fits-all solution. It doesn't, it doesn't go that way, you know. Absolutely, Marcus. Thank you so much for calling and for sharing. I think um, that is not necessarily how um, I. That's not necessarily how this came about, right? Um, this this statement from the minister. I'm not saying that it's not backed up by data. Just that it was said at an event. So I think that having this approach is is a really uh, it's a a valid, um, but then B, having a more holistic way of looking at it is also an interesting way of looking for solutions, especially as we talk about teachers being overworked. So actually, um, a number of really interesting points coming up in the messages. Thing, for instance, saying, being in healthcare, you'd be surprised that screening and detection might not be the problem. Perception and lack of understanding of the term abuse among parents can be a reason for recurrence. Well, that I think is in many ways what Marcus was was saying, that alongside this notion of um, screening and detection, it is also creating programs and systems so that people, everyone involved in Mm. this, not just teachers and students, uh, or rather not just teachers and parents or teachers and authorities, are actually aware of, well, firstly, what's happening, but also why it might be happening, what it could look like. Um, Anon is taking it, beyond the school space, saying um, abuse or bullying by anyone towards another, regardless of gender, age, uh, someone under your care, even a total stranger, I think it's everybody's duty to look out or help the victim or suspected victim. Being capable to save another takes a lot of courage, but it's something we shouldn't walk away from. So teachers, neighbours, relatives, colleagues, uh, maybe the frontliners in taking this up, but the rest of us shouldn't sit back and wait for someone else to take up the issue. We have to start somewhere to fight this growing sickness and cultivate a culture of standing up against such wrongdoing. We should all be united um, in supporting such good efforts. We must also act speedily before it's too late and remember that perpetrators may also need help. There's so much there to pick up on. Actually, this notion of we shouldn't be... We shouldn't hesitate to intervene. We shouldn't feel embarrassed to speak up. Um, It's such a key point. It's also difficult, right? We did a show um, a while back about when do we intervene and how and how can how it can be quite challenging. Um, but but I definitely think that that's something to keep in mind, that you might well be saving uh, someone. CK is back, uh, who earlier said that teachers may be too overworked. Um, you know, when, when we talk about such programs, we need to consider that, saying that pointing to other things full of full with administrative works, uh, busy for this and that events or activities, even during school holidays, and a syllabus or system that keeps changing. Do not forget that they're extremely disrespected and underpaid as well. And Angeline is chiming in to say, I sympathise that that's the case. Uh, I wonder if it's feasible to hire teaching assistants to help with the burden. Maybe they can step in for paperwork, grading, helping to manage the students. I recall my classrooms having over 30 people and my class teacher was often stressed out of her mind with us rascals. Actually, Angeline, I think 30 now is looking good because it's often the case that it's 40, 45 in many um, government schools. I think the notion of teaching assistance is, you know, it's come up a number of times. Um, There have been 
efforts in some ways in some schools, but nothing that is sort of comprehensive. I think that's one really good solution. Keep those thoughts coming. Uh, we're talking about the role that teachers play in protecting children and preventing abuse. If you would like to weigh in, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.